wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! I'm back, so deal with it. Let's do this! Finally, The Rock has come back! Live TV is awesome. And the spirit of Ultimate Warrior will run forever! What's happening, folks? Graham Houston Matthews here, and welcome to the first official episode of WrestleRant Radio for the summer of 2015, and what a summer it is already shaping up to be. Now, technically, summer started this past Sunday on June 21st, but my summer really technically started many weeks ago when I got back from college in early May. I've been home for the last six to seven weeks, and um, it's been great. You know, I went to the NECW Iron 8 show, like I talked about a couple weeks ago here in the show. Um, an amazing event, really enjoyed that. Went to Legends of Wrestling about two weeks ago as well. Very fun show, and that's not all. I almost went to the Ring of Honor show last Friday in Brooklyn. I mean, I could have gone. It was close. Not Brooklyn. I think it was New York City. Um, but I couldn't go there because I'm already going to a lot of shows this summer. I would have been working the next day. Um, I was going to bring John with me. I'm pretty sure he was working too. So did not really work out all too well. But I did watch the show, though. I won't be talking about it here on today's show. We already, we already have a stack show as it is, and I'll be getting to that in a second. But um, I, I did like the show. I did watch it. My full review of the show in written form is up at nextearwrestling.net, this very same website where we listen to the show on. Um, really enjoyed it. So make sure to go back and check that out, especially the main event um, between Jay Lethal and Jay Briscoe. I thought the main event was great. But anyway, um, we had that this past Friday. I may be going to Northeast Wrestling. I probably won't be going to anything in July. There's really, it's weird because of all the, you know, for the last six or seven, eight years that, that I've been a wrestling fan for, and it's funny. I'm only I'm like the only person that would like you know uh, notice something like this. That of all the months that I've gone to wrestling events during you know from like January, I've gone to a wrestling show during the month of February before. In the seven years I've been a wrestling fan, I've never been to a wrestling show in the month of July. I have no idea why. It's weird. There's not many wrestling shows that come by here in the month of July, which is weird actually. I almost did. A couple years ago, I got tickets to a SmackDown. I believe it was a SmackDown right before the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. I couldn't go for whatever reason, and I haven't been to a wrestling show in the month of July because, or just at all, um, before that, during that year, or after that. So it's kind of weird. But um, still, though, no wrestling shows for me in the month of July. But in August, I may be going to Northeast Wrestling in earlier that month to go see Samoa Joe and a few others in, I believe, in Massachusetts. And there's another event in New York. I won't be able to make that though. And then the following weekend, let's see, or not the following weekend, a couple weeks later, that SummerSlam weekend, which I've talked about a lot before here on the show, because I will be going to SummerSlam in just 61 more days, and I do have a countdown right in front of me, um, that whole weekend could be astronomically awesome. You know, that Sunday, I already have the tickets, I'm already going, Already, it's already in the books, SummerSlam, August 23rd, very much looking forward to that, as you can tell, my countdown over the last couple of months. Um, so SummerSlam on August 23rd, that Sunday, that Friday and Saturday could be pretty stacked as well. WWE is doing a live event here in the Connecticut area on Friday, and they may be able to get live, um, maybe able to get tickets to that live event. I believe it's in Bridgeport, so I may be able to go to that. And that Saturday, th- if rumors are to be true, WWE may be running an NXT show 
on that Saturday in the Manhattan Center, which I've been to twice before for TNA shows last August, um, you know, almost almost a year ago, to, not to the day, but a year ago that month. And also when I went there earlier this year on the first Wednesday of 2015 for their live debut on Destination America, which was a phenomenal one of my the one of my probably my second favorite, um, the second best wrestling show I've ever been to, which is saying something because I've been a lot of I've been to a lot of them over the years. But anyway, um, they might be holding an NXT show that Saturday. Don't take my word for it. That's just what I've been hearing. I know Sasha Banks tweeted out something about it and then quickly deleted it, so I have no idea if it's true or not. But if it did happen, it would be insane. But if not that, though, they are holding a Ring of Honor show um, not at the Barclays Center. I know it's in Brooklyn, like um, you know, some baseball field or something like that. They do it every once in a while. They do it every year, I believe. TNA used to hold shows there, wherever it is in Brooklyn, at the MCU Park, I believe it's called. Um, they maybe hold a they may be holding a show that Saturday, so I may be able to go to that. But either way, this summer, in a nutshell, it's going to be great. I'm looking forward to it. And speaking of big things, today, June 23rd, is a big day in wrestling history. It was 19 years ago today when Stone Cold Steve Austin dropped his now-famous Austin 316 promo at the King of the Ring pay-per-view. It was 13 years ago today when Brock Lesnar became the 2002 King of the Ring, going on to win the WWE Championship at SummerSlam against The Rock and becoming the youngest reigning WWE Champion in company history. Three years ago today, I met Matt Hardy, one of my biggest inspirational icons of all time. A year ago today, Vicky Guerrero left the WWE, and today, the return of Tough Enough tonight. Of course, I'm recording this beforehand, so we do not have, I do not have thoughts on the show's premiere, but I will have a full review of the show either this Friday in my video blog on YouTube, so make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash C backslash Graham GSM Matthews. Do the random video blogs every Friday. Currently, I'm planning on doing a video blog this Friday. Um, which will be centered around my thoughts on Tough Enough from 2011 and the show's premiere tonight, which I'm very much looking forward to. But here on today's show, WrestleRant Radio, it's even more stacked. I made the announcement a couple weeks ago here in the show that I will be having former WWE star, current TNA star, Brodus Clay, now known as Tyrus, here for an exclusive interview talking about his time with WWE, his time on NXT, NXT Redemption, whatever the hell it was called. The season where they just stopped caring and has a lot of fun, entertaining stories to talk about there. His transition into doing movies, into doing No One Lives for WWE Studios, the Funkasaurus character, the heel turn, why it flopped, why the character worked, his partnership or his pairing with Hornswoggle for a little while, the Funkadactyls, his thoughts on Naomi nowadays, and a lot of cool stuff. I mean, we recorded it two days after I went to that Legends of Wrestling show, so Tuesday the 9th. And the first part of the interview is us talking about his participation, his involvement in that event, upcoming projects, stuff like that, his future goals, what he wants to accomplish in the world of wrestling and beyond. But in the first part of the interview, though, he talks about doing commentary, which I thought was pretty funny. And he, he's a great guy. had a lot of fun talking to him. And um, there are some audio quality issues. I believe that was on my end. He might have been going to like a gym or something. You'll hear some weird noises at the end of the interview that kind of make it hard to hear both him and I. But um, still, I think it's a great interview. It's about 45 minutes long, so we'll be taking up a majority of the show here today. But after the interview airs, I will be talking briefly about before we go off the air. Uh, before the interview, before my episode ends here today, I'll be talking about my thoughts on Dolph Ziggler potentially leaving WWE, the releases of Gunner and Samuel Shaw, Austin Aries maybe leaving TNA, and um, th- uh, this probably as soon as this upcoming Sunday, I'll be talking a little bit about Slammiversary, uh, Monday Night Raw from last night, and a lot of other different things I'll just be you know touching upon in the final few minutes of the show. 
But nevertheless, I enjoyed my time talking to Brodus Clay, now known as Tyrus and Tina. You can follow him on Twitter at Brodus Clay. You can catch him every Wednesday night on Destination America on Tina Impact Wrestling as Tyrus. And has a lot of fun, entertaining, cool stories to share in today's podcast. Hopefully you guys enjoy as well. Oh. Hey Tyrus, it's Graham. Hey, what's up, boss? Doing good, man. How you doing? Ah, uh, maintaining. Sorry about the delay. I apologize for that. I had a lot of stuff come up, so my, my apologies. Oh, it's all good. So anyway, I saw you on, or I was I was hoping to see you on Sunday, the Legends of Wrestling show. Were you doing the show? Were you doing the autograph signing around like three o'clock or so? Yeah, I was there pretty much all damn day. I think I got there at one. I did autograph signing. I did the meet and greet. I did the Q and A with Rick Flair and Bret Hart. Which why they would put me in a Q and A with those two guys. <laughs> Most silliest thing ever, because and people ask me questions, and I'm like, "Why the hell would you ask me when you got these two guys sitting up there?" But, <laughs> yeah, you know, but yeah, that's cool. Be, uh, you know, I'm flattered, but I was like, "Come on, man, this is a, this is a fat kid in a bodybuilding contest. This isn't really gonna work out." So. <laughs> no, yeah, I saw you in the lineup because I saw cause I, the 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 event has been advertised for a couple months now, and it said Ric Flair, Bret Hart, and I saw your name on there as well. I'm like, "Oh, sweet! I finally get to meet Brodus Clay, Tyrus." And then I got there at like 3.30, and you guys, I think you were already gone. Mr. Anderson was there and a few others. Like, shit, I wanted to meet him, but hopefully down the road or something like that. But how would that kick? What was that? Yeah, all right. We'll definitely have to make that happen. Um, I'm actually going to be back in New York in a couple weeks. I think I'm doing something with Fox News, so imagine that. Oh, wow. What are you doing for Fox News? That's cool. Uh, I'm still kind of in the wraps a little bit, but uh, I might be making a guest on a panel. <laughs> so, uh, wow, that's sweet. Yeah, yeah like, apparently I think I'm pretty clever, so uh, <laughs> it's, it's gotta be fun, but uh, you know, I'll make an announcement on that in a couple of weeks, so. That's pretty cool. Well, speaking of clever, you were doing commentary on Sunday after your match with uh, Matt, Str- <laughs> Matt Stryker. This was great. You were doing commentary for the second half of the show. Um, I thought that was great. How did that kid come up? The whole Legends of Wrestling thing, and I want to I want to uh, talk about your time on commentary too. I thought that was awesome. Well, you know what? I have always been the locker room uh, commentator, and <laughs> I've been commentating on wrestling matches forever. Um, and my original broadcast partner was Harry Smith, and him and I used to sit at FCW together. He was Jesse, and I was Gorilla, and we would sit there and we would call, and I would call the matches, and he would add his. Is Jesseisms, although if you've been around or ever spoke to Harry Smith, his stuff is a little dry. So <laughs> pretty much all, pretty much all he ever said was, "You can tell him, Gerilla, you can really say much." But uh, it's actually been a, a, uh, a secret uh, pleasure of mine. And uh, a few times, I know Dusty caught me doing it one time and made me do a show. Um, and um, you know, he Paul Heyman at one point was like, "You should be doing raw," like because you just. You're, you're freaking good at it. I don't know why you don't get a chance to do it. I said, well, because I'm, you know, I'm a monster and I want to wrestle. As soon as I start talking, cracking jokes and stuff, I'm not a monster anymore, a.k.a. Bunkasaurus. So, um, Matt Stryker has been a, a close, uh, a, just a really close dear friend for a really long time. And uh, we all went back to Deep South together. So when I saw that they were having some issues with uh, him having a, a color commentator next to him, I was like, I'm who are you going out there with? And he was like, uh, I think I'm just going to do it myself. I'm like, let me grab my hat. So um, I ran out there and I was doing my thing. And uh, can't help it, man. How can you not be, you know, you got Steiner and RVD in the ring. 
my ex-tag partner's on the outside, Goldberg, Bret Hart, I mean, how can you not want to call that, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing, too. That's what I wanted to ask you. Was that planned the whole time, or was, like, Ashley not doing well on commentary, and they just threw you out there? No, I, they didn't throw me out there. I said, I'm going. Try and stop me. Oh, um, really? Wow. Do you, what did you just yeah. – was that a shoot? Did you just take her out of there, or was that planned? I just – no, I just took it. Like, uh, I uh, <laughs> grabbed the rap, banged him out, and I was like, uh, I've been a fan of hers, you know, from back in the day. And you know what? <laughs> I'm going to get my – I'm going to get my – I'm in New York. I'm going to get my King Kong moment in. And uh, I took it. I never tell anybody what I'm doing on those type of shows, man. I just do what I want to do, you know? Yeah. Um, and as long as it's entertaining, nobody ever has a problem with it. You know, I even did my old Bane gimmick when I dissed him about the Funkasaurus. I do this for the people, you know what I mean? <laughs> the Funk U so, stuff. The Funk U line was yeah. great. That was awesome. And I just let it hang out there. And let, you know, and it's had a lot of fun. So, no, I... I've got to the point where I'm so comfortable out there, and I think that's when you're just like, when you can just be yourself. And if I'm going to turn it up and be a monster, it's no problem. But at the same time, I'm not going to forget about the other things that makes me different um, from the other big guys. Because I, I had a big mouth before I had a big body. So um, that's just part of who I am. So when I get the chance to put it all together, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really in heaven. And, you know, those guys let me do that. So, uh, and, you know, Matt Stryker is awesome. Because he's so good at playing... You know, he's such a funny guy himself, uh, but he's so good at playing the, the straight guy. You know what I mean? Like, and he's, you know, at one point he probably even used to say, give me a break. You know, we got <laughs> yeah. And then he was like, I'm just going to sit back and watch you, you know? Yeah. No, so, that, was, that was great. Well, that's the thing, too. I think it's great because people or fans specifically kind of just attach themselves to what's genuine. You know, if it's if it's, if it's it shows that if it's something organic, they don't, they'll immediately connect with it, you know? Yeah, and they and they always like I said, I pretty much do stand up all my stuff. Like if I'm being a heel, you know, I have to tell them how much I hate the kids, and I did everything for merch, um, you know. And I'm swimming in the dough, you know. And your stupid parents go buy more of my toys and stuff like that, and or just be a straight monster, or, you know. Or, and but it's funny because at the end, if I just come out and say I was just kidding, guys, they always say the same thing. It's okay, you know. Like I, they like me talking mean to them. They just I think they get a kick out of it, you know. They uh, and it's entertaining, and uh, whatever I can swerve them or get them. And I got them in New York because they really thought I was going to give them the fucking source. So uh, it was a lot of fun to like stick it to them. I think if there was any platform for you to do that, it would have been in NXT when you first started out five years ago, um, the fourth season, which by that point they just obviously, I mean, it's nothing what it like is now. That was back when it was a competition show. WWE just stopped caring about it. So what was that experience like, you know, being on that show, just kind of goofing off? I thought it was, I thought it was hilarious. When we got on that show, uh, we knew they didn't care. Yeah. Um, but we cared about us. And uh, I was, like I said, I'm always a uh, wannabe booker and all that kind of stuff. And I'm going to be the heel. And uh, I basically made deals with two guys. I mean, I went to Johnny Curtis. And I'm like, you want my baby face in this? And uh, we started going from there. Then, uh, you know, uh, EC jumped, EC3 jumped on board. And we were working our own program. And then it got to the point where it got, when we were getting ready to go out, um, the agents were like, what are you guys doing tonight? And we were like, I don't know. <laughs> oh, wow. You know what I'm saying? And then Stryker got involved in it, you know, and uh, we had our own thing. And then at the end, um, which I clearly thought I had won it, um, uh, you know, they, they did a little swerve or whatever, and I ended up you know, cutting the shoot promo off my hip uh, to let the office know that I don't care what you do to me. 
uh, I'm going to get mine. And it was one of the best promos I think I had done. And at the time, had that been on regular TV, I would have probably been called uh, whatever. But, you know, it was on the networking. But to this day, I still get fans that send me that promo. And uh, they're like, we really thought this was the beginning of the end. But I think that's the promo that got me with Alberto. That actually got Vince's, uh, Mr. McMahon's attention. So, um, you know, that, that time of NXT, I loved being a reject. And that's what we were. Um, they had, they basically, after the girls' season, which, no offense to the ladies, was a disaster, um, they kind of just threw us out there just to kind of do it. And, uh, you know, we had no support from any of the, you know, the back or whatever. And we didn't really care. You know, we just got together and I was like, hey, this might be it. This might be as far as we go. This might be the only time we wrestle in front of, you know, 10,000 people or whatever. And mm-hmm. that was my mindset. And I was a guy's mindset too. And and so the credit, every one of those guys uh, went out there and we tried to do the best we did. And people wouldn't actually watched it. Uh, we ended up being legends in Europe. <laughs> like, we were on a European tour. I'm not, I'm like at the bottom of the car working Yoshi Tatsu. This is right before Alberto, right? Yeah. And, uh, I'm on a billboard. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I'm an NXT star, you know? And yeah. like, going nuts. And I'm like, apparently they watched it out here. And it's actually, the NXT is a free show that they would send to the countries who were like doing, uh, stuff for the, you know, for the product or whatever. Wow. So, so you know, you make those old jokes about, like, girls won't date you in high school, but, you know, you're real popular in Niagara Falls with all the ladies. Well, I was real popular in, like, France. <laughs> and stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's one of my favorite times in the WWE because literally nobody nobody gave a damn, and, and but we cared. And uh, we put a good product together if anyone actually sits and watches stuff. And uh, every contest was a work. And uh, the greatest work was... Um, was uh, EC and Daniel Bryant, uh, the game where they were playing like, uh, "What's what is my pro thinking?" Oh, that was that was great. That was comedy gold. <laughs> and you know, because and I were just going off the hip, and I really should have <laughs> won it, but they, you know, they cheated. But they were so mad. If you see the look on my face, because we had agreed no cheating, like, yep. we worked together, <laughs> but no cheating. And uh, EC broke the he broke the rule and he cheated. So. You know, and it was like uh, a lot of stuff like that. Like I know one night, uh, Fandango his, couldn't remember what part of Louisiana was. He leaned into DC and asked him, and DC purposely gave him the wrong city. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, and then they, you know, when it came to the history questions of WWE, and everyone knows I'm a historian. Oh, the '80s like, hey. thing, right? I, oh, that was great. We we're like, that's not an '80s question. <laughs> that was yeah. hilarious. And, and then they're like, you're not going to do that. I'm like, no, no, because you guys never cheated, right? And uh, <laughs> I didn't feel like getting flying because I just got new boots. Yeah. So, sorry, guys. And uh, actually, you know what? I'll, I'll tell it here. Matt Stryker helped me cheat um, <laughs> on the on the name, the price of the magazine games and stuff like that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's great. Give me hand signals on the stuff, whether higher or lower. And uh, he also gave me a gimmick, um, a uh, gimmick mask for the uh, for the pinata contest. So my Matt Striker was my uh, inside ace. He was my Bobby the Brain um, thing. So it was the inside job. But it got to the point where we were just trying to out. We kept screwing each other over, but you know, laughing at the end of the day, like who could out cheat whoever. So we had a good time, and uh, I think the office was kind of like, "What the hell," you know, but. I didn't think we were going any further. 
That was great. I think that time was better than anything else. I mean, the Funkastore stuff was great. The stuff you're doing now is hilarious too. But like you said, I feel like at that time, because they weren't doing they, at that point, they just didn't care about the show. Um, I think this that allowed you guys creatively to just do what you want. And I was gonna, I'll get back to the promo in a second because that promo I thought was um, was fantastic and i'll just talk about that in a second but um nowadays in tna you guys you and uh, ec3 Derek bateman and wwe were you guys close friends in nxt and then when you came over to tna did you request to work with them or did you did they just did the management just kind of see that you guys worked well together or just naturally um i think it was a little combination of both him and i uh we've been close um so but we train at hard knock south together and uh you know when he went through his stuff and when he was released, you know, I was a big supporter for him. And I, you know, I really felt that they, uh, you know, didn't really give him his just dude. He's a very entertaining guy. Um, and, uh, you know, he has a great upside. Um, you know, he's overcame a couple of injuries and so he's had some strikes against him in terms of the stuff because he just worked so hard. Um, and, uh, you know, he's actually pound for pound one of the strongest guys that have ever been around. Um, you know, when we train, we train our asses off at Hard Knock South. And, uh, so that's kind of the, the bond that keeps us all together because no matter where we are where we are we all end up in the same gym at least three or four days a week so um and then when i was coming on board he was one of the guys i talked to originally it looked like i was going to be with jade storm um because him and i actually had been working together on the lizards like tv show so it looked like uh that was going to be a natural thing and then it just so happened uh you know ec had said hey what about this and i'm like i love it so you know when we're playing you know, uh, and the way we're building it is something that hasn't been done in a really long time. Like, we're taking a, we're really telling this story. Um, we're not rushing it. It's not, it's not over in three weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of twists and turns and stuff like that. Don't get the opportunity to see that anymore. You know, that's the one thing that I think TNA brings to the table that WWE doesn't. WWE has, of course, been the WWE and they have great stories and they have great, and the, you know, the, the, cinematography and the action and everything but for everybody else but the top guys the storylines are kind of quick you know like uh, and disappointing you know they don't fit, they don't let them ride i was the, the gold dust and stardust dude mm-hmm. how does that not get a retirement match at wrestlemania i'm sorry but that people would have cared they they wanted to see that i as a fan just was like give us that mm-hmm Exactly. I just got to let it wait it out a little bit. And I think EC3 and you guys specifically as a pairing are a perfect example of that because he's a guy that's been with TNA since October of 2013, I think it was. And he's been undefeated in singles competition ever since then. You know, that's long-term booking right there. How often do you see a guy go undefeated for that long? You know, and it's usually, even if, you know, in WWE they would have a long-term vision like that. And I mean, Punk mentioned this before on his podcast that they only really have long-term plans in place for a guy like John Cena 
but never really anyone else on the card. So it's great to see like stuff like you and EC3 doing well in TNA. There's a long story in place. You guys have been together since the fall when you got when you came in. So um, just stuff like that. I'm a sucker for a store for a great story. So it's great to see that um that you guys are flourishing in TNA. You know. That's what makes wrestling different than everything else because mm-hmm. of the sport. I think that's gotten forgotten with sponsors and guys thinking that they're bigger than the business. Um, but the stories are what make kids come back. Like when you ask me how many holes Dusty Rose put Ric Flair in or the horseman, I couldn't tell you. What I could tell you was when they broke his leg and we didn't know if he was going to wrestle again. You know, or when the, when the Legion, when they, when they blind him, the Legion of Doom blind him, was he going to see again? They told great stories. People cared. You know? Um, and that was the thing. It was the story that made you watch. It's not the moves. You do 7,000 moves, people only remember the last one. Unfortunately, nowadays, you get a guy with six pile drivers, seven power bombs, and then put him through a table, and then he kicks out everything, and then you get him with a roll up. It just, it's, it's lost, you know what I'm saying? There's mm-hmm. no story or anything. So, um, I like the fact that we're telling the story, you know. And uh, that, to me, is what makes it worth it. Cause he, and WWE, you know, the top things, they tell their stories, and there's no question. And I was just talking in terms of from top to bottom, you know. Um, it makes everybody better when they have an opportunity to perform. And there's guys that you don't know how great they can be. You know, if, unless you give them something tangible that lasts a while that the fans can sink their teeth into. And going, know, but, and we'll, well, going back to what you were saying before, and I wanted to talk about this, your promo that, that you cut on that season finale of NXT. And kind of going back to what I was saying before as well, and that was there any real plan for anyone to win? Because I know with some of the other seasons, like, oh, they thought Wade Barrett was going to win from the start, whoever, whoever. Um, you know, I thought Johnny Curtis is good. I think he's another guy that in WWE they're not doing as much with him as they possibly could. But, um, you know, he, I, I thought that was your season to win, especially after that promo. You were the best talker in that entire season, that they could have done something with you and, you know, pro- probably Curtis afterwards as well. But um, still, I thought you could have been you, you could have been the winner of that season. So that promo that you caught on that show, and when you talked about I'm going to take all your heroes away and all that other stuff, and it was a genuine, real promo. And you mentioned it was a shoe promo before as well. So just want to kind of get your thoughts on whether they saw you as a potential winner from the start or Curtis or whoever, and uh, kind of take me back through that promo that you caught in that season finale. I think it was going into NXT. They had me pay. Um, and you work a little bit and be a bodyguard. I don't like his body, you know, just being real. Um, big guy, but you know, eh, I don't know, you know, um, mm-hmm. when they did pay attention, uh, oh, this guy can talk a little bit. Oh, you know, using different suitcases and stuff. And what, why is he trying to work like a smaller guy? Um, and then it was, they started to get behind a little bit. And then at some point, I think the genuine consensus was that I had, I had it in the bag. Um, I really thought uh, it was going to come down to me and Hunter, honestly, and it was in his hometown in Cleveland. So I kind of felt like that was where it was at. And you can make an argument over Johnny and Hunter, like who was doing better or who was doing what, but just the fact that he had that client this corner, um, it just seemed to me um, that Hunter was going to be the choice. I never questioned that I'd be in the... You know, I had a, I was a point leader, and not that wins and losses matter in wrestling, but literally I had, 
I think I had one attack match where I had one in the beginning, uh, and other than that, I just I ran the table. Um, so pretty much um, thought it was a done deal. And then, you know, being in Cleveland, I thought I'd get some good heat. And he was a hometown guy, and they were you know people excited, and then being Johnny, and then um, you know we had the match, beat him in the match, and then going to the thing like uh, when they said, um, and you gotta understand if you didn't win it. Everybody else is going back down. So there was that pressure and mindset where if you, don't, if you get picked, you're on the roster. You get the roster spot and you get the the, the eventual tag team title shot, which uh, <laughs> never happened. I, think Johnny, <laughs> I, I remember that, yeah. I think I think actually they could cash that in now, maybe. Yeah, um, maybe so, yeah. And I'll just bring it up, bring your lawyer out. Um, <laughs> uh, um, so it wasn't even just that. It was we were competing for one spot that last night it was basically shake hands and let the best man win so when if you're watching it when i hear that he wins you see me turn into the buckle because i'm generally i'm furious because i'm like i did everything i could and i just and it just reaffirmed the feeling that no matter what i do here i'm always going to be looked at a certain way um and i was like cool and i really felt that that was my only like i was going to cut that to say it was on my mind and then probably go back down to fcw maybe i'll get called up again maybe i won't I'll get released. Like, I really didn't know. Um, so I just, off the hip, told me exactly what I did. And I was basically saying, I don't need the WWE to be good at this. You know, I was like, I'm, I know I'm good. You know, I, I'll take all your heroes. and I don't need a roster spot. I'll, I'll, I can handle my stuff in the parking lot, I think I said, or something like that. Yeah. Um, and that was genuine. Like, that's exactly how I felt. And I think maybe that, that turned some heads or whatever. And, um, you know, I think it was, you broke my heart, Cleveland. Or no, Wrestling Universe, you broke my heart. I'm going to break yours. And I left. And I really didn't think that'd be it. And I was was sent. I went towards over, back home, back at FCW, training, rolling around, no email, no nothing. Um, I was like, okay, well. And then um, Friday I was working out. I got a call. I was saying we're going to bring you with Alberta. So uh, it worked out. But for all intents and purposes, I thought that was a wrap. And it's funny that you mentioned that too, because whoever won got that roster spot, and then everyone else would have been sent back down to FCW at that time or NXT now, whatever, developmental. And when Curtis won, they never did anything with him. I think he won, and then he was off TV for a couple months, and he was on SmackDown maybe like once or twice doing the whole milk thing or whatever that was. And then you were right back on TV as Del Rio's bodyguard. So it was kind of funny the way that it worked out. And um, completely, completely undermined the whole NXT process. Exactly. Yeah, but I mean, the show by that point never meant anything. But then after, I think that they never did another season after that. They might have done Redemption or whatever it was. Yeah, Redemption where they brought everybody back, and it was basically to get Thaddeus ready for whatever they were trying to get him ready for. Um, it was pretty much it. Oh, it was him and uh, Johnny, uh, what was his name? Luscious Johnny, what was it? Mr. Steal Your Girl. Uh, oh, um, Lucky Cannon, right? Lucky Cannon, yeah. It was the Lucky. <laughs> That was the guy. In a really bad Buddy Rogers world. <laughs> um, yeah, that was awesome. That was something, yeah. Oh, well, it, was, it was awesome, which is not awesome. Um, <laughs> it was not um, You know, and then, and then Fred, I remember Fred was on there, and Fred it was a part of Nexus. <laughs> he had already won. Yeah, he was already on Raw by that point. I was confused. Yeah, he yeah. was the Raw guy. I was like, what? <laughs> what and I was terrified. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no. No, I want no part of that. Um, 
they at yeah, first were keeping points, and then they stopped. It's like one. I think Maddie had seven thousand points. This fight is insane. Um, <laughs> man, is it? But I mean, and then look at NXT now, which is own brand, and arguably, if you look at the numbers and stuff, the number two wrestling company uh, in the world. So NXT's done very well for itself. Absolutely, yeah. I was just thinking about that the other day. How crazy, how how far that's come. You know how crazy it is to think about. NXT was like the butt of the joke, whatever, especially during the women's season, unfortunately. Just the way they treated the women on that season and you guys on season four and just everything after that. And um, that redemption season had potential, too. You know, bringing back people who didn't win it. Darren Young being on there didn't make any sense. I was thinking, oh, they're going to bring back Brodus. They're going to bring back, you know, maybe Titus and a few other guys from the past seasons, maybe Alex Riley or something. But they brought back, you know, like you said, Lucky Cannon, Darren Young, who shouldn't have been on there, and all these Hornswoggle, I think, was the pro or something like that. It was it was strange. Yeah, and Hornswoggle is a horrible manager. Don't, I don't mind telling you that. He was awful when he was my manager. Selfish, <laughs> um, never knows the city we're in. Just, just, just horrible. Thankfully, that did not last long. I was like, "Oh, they're putting Hornswoggle with Brodus. That's that's the kiss of death right there." That only lasted two weeks. How? What was the process behind that? Uh, I think it was our match on Raw against Ziggler and, and Swag that killed us. Where the yep, phantom yep. kick. Um, but uh, four times. I actually uh, because we were working with the kids and stuff so much. Um, I didn't have a real big problem with that because I thought Swaggle had a really good dimension um, because it was still, at the end of the night, the kids jumped in the ring and stuff and they were very very comfortable with, with Swaggle being in the ring with him because um, they identify with him. And we used to laugh because the kids would ask him, how come he's so chubby for a kid? And I used to laugh <laughs> so hard. Um, yeah. Because he just doesn't have the way with, with children at all. But um, that was kind of one of the ones where I was like, well, why are we... It's actually going well, I thought. Um, in his experience, because um, he had been around for a while and his stuff, he had good ideas, and he's very, very good at critiquing your work and stuff. He's very, like, he's got a very good eye for that kind of stuff. So having him out there uh, was good for me in the sense that, you know, hey, I like that move, maybe not that one. You know, he was very good in that genre. He was, like, legitimately having, like, a legit uh, manager out there to keep you... Uh, honest and stuff and he was also having the other eyes in the back of my head or in this case the back of my cap but um, <laughs> and those aspects all jokes aside he was a tremendous help and when uh, they took him away from me I was actually I think uh, I was very I was a little unhappy with that because I was kind of hoping it was going to spin off with me and him and the girls would go their own way just because of uh, some of the issues I was having um, with some of the personalities and stuff mm-hmm and honestly, Naomi never should have been with us. She's should be champion. You know what I mean? She's such a great athlete, such a great person. Um, I thought it'd be a good thing. I stayed. I keep Dylan, and she goes off and you know has her match with E for the championship. And maybe shocks the world, but I definitely felt that. And now she's in a good spot. But I just I would have loved to see her as a babyface uh, holding the title. I think they missed the boat on her potential. And especially now, too, she was going for the title a couple weeks ago, and she lost, and she's not even on TV anymore. So just some of the booking decisions don't make any sense to me, yeah. especially you know back. She was popular, too, coming off the whole, you know, when you when you were doing your Funkasaurus gimmick. But, no, I completely agree. I think uh, we should be doing more. Her and I have a catchphrase when we see each other. We just look at each other, shake our head, and go, poor, poor little Funkasaurus. <laughs> and uh, 
I actually on Twitter put more, more, more low Naomi. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, hopefully she'll get her due. She's still there. She's doing her thing, and she's a star. Absolutely. I think she'll probably get a title run before soon, hopefully. Yeah. But on that I'm note as well. But no, what was that? Go ahead. Oh, nothing, nothing. I'm staying outside the gym. I think Cena just broke the record. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Well, going back a little bit, I just want to talk about, well, you got paired with Del Rio, and then right after the Extreme Rules pay-per-view, you got busted open at that paper, in the match with Christian or with Del Rio, whatever. And then afterwards, you took some time off, and you went to go off to go film uh, No One Lives for WWE Studios. How was that whole experience? Oh, it was crazy, man. Uh, it was really cool to be a part of a movie, and um, a lot of fun. I was itching to get back in the ring, and uh, I was really... I felt that Del Rio and our time got cut a little too short, to be honest with you. But mm-hmm. um, it was a great ex- and, and that's the type of thing that will carry on today because of that movie time and experience. It opened a lot of doors for me in terms of uh, new movie projects and stuff coming up. So uh, it was actually, I didn't realize how big that would be in terms of just getting to know the world of Hollywood a little bit. And that was my next question for you. Do you feel like that movie kind of opened some doors for you in more acting? Like, oh, I, this is something I want to do maybe when I'm done with wrestling or while I'm still wrestling and stuff like that. Yeah, I got two projects this summer I'll be doing, and uh, I've auditioned for some things, and I've got, you know, down to the, been a couple tough decisions or whatever. Uh, I had auditioned for the role of Suge Knight in um, the, the uh, NWA movie, and was got three callbacks, and was, you know, had uh, went back in for another reading and stuff, and basically came down to me and the guy who got it, so, you know, um, that was a pretty good experience, I learned a lot. Disappointing, probably won't see the movie because I'm bitter like that. Awesome. Looking forward to those projects as well, though. But um, after yeah. that, you know, you came back. You're doing your singles run. You were on Superstars a couple times. They gave you your own thing. They didn't put you back with Del Rio, which I thought was surprising. But you had your old singles run going on. I was excited because you were doing – you had your own music now. You were a monster heel, and it looked like they were kind of testing the waters with you for a heel run. And of course, you probably talked about this a million times. But you go – they had the promos airing for you as this monster heel, and then they brought you back as the Funkasaurus. Yeah, do you think that was something they just wanted to try it with you, or do you feel like that was like them ribbing you or whatever? Like, oh, this is never going to work, and then you made I it think, your own, I and you got it over. You have, you, I, mean, I think you have two agendas, a lot of cooks in the kitchen, and the biggest cook changed his mind, and there's nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. And you either adapt or you fail. And I wasn't about to fail. So they would have told me I would have to be the new adorable Adrian Adonis. I went out there and did it. So that was your I, mind- wanted be in, I wanted to be in the ring, you know? Yeah, and that was your mindset going into it? Like, oh, you know, not like, oh, no, this is going to ruin my career, blah, 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 blah. You were like, I'm going to take this, I'm going to make it my own, I'm just going to own it, right? I, I mean, I had my moments, you know, I was like, oh, man, what does this mean? And then all I asked was if I could go see the American Dream, if I could go see, go sit under the tree and figure it out with him. Mm-hmm. And now they let me do that, and we came up with the concept, and uh, and I went and looked it with my trainer, Rob, we came up with the name, Funkasaurus and stuff, and uh, kind of went from there. So uh, I was lucky I had a good support system. And even before that, too, this was something a lot of people were wondering and were curious about. I, I was curious about it as well. Shortly before you came back as a Funkasaurus, I think or it was right around the time that Morrison left or something, there were rumors that you were going to be the one to retire him or come on Raw and destroy him. And then you might have tweeted something that said that that foreshadowed it and they changed yeah, plans to miss at, at, that, at that time, I didn't have a Twitter. Oh, yeah. That was, then what was all that about? Were that just <laughs> was typical dirty stuff, no I guess? Idea. Yeah, it was ridiculous. I have no idea. Morrison's one of, uh, one of the good guys in the business, and I had never heard any discussion of me and him even having a match. So uh, I was a surprise to me when he said, did you? 
You on Twitter? I was like, no, nah, I don't have one yet. <laughs> exactly. Like, well, I, guess. Yeah, I guess that was never the plan. So, yeah, it must have been Miz just all along. People just making stuff up, I guess. Yeah, it was maybe some wishful thinking. Um, but, you know, uh, yeah, there was no, absolutely no truth to that at all. So you do the whole Funkasaurus thing, and the thing is about it that you got it over. People were excited about it. They'd hear the music. They gave you your old disco ball. They went all out with the gimmick, and then you were undefeated for a while. Did the whole thing at WrestleMania. I actually talked about that as well. I heard that. I've read that story somewhere. I thought this was. I thought that was hilarious. The um the John Cena thing. So can you talk about that little experience from WrestleMania 28 and getting your whole segment with the um somebody call my mama thing? Uh yeah, we just ran it up, but they ran out of time and. Uh... Cena basically looked at me and goes, I'll go to the bathroom. I'll be back in about, what, eight minutes? I'm like, you got it. And uh, <laughs> we went out there and did the thing. But, yeah, it was cut for a minute. Well, that's crazy, yeah. Well, the fact that you were able to do that at all and get the gimmick on WrestleMania was awesome. So even after that point, like I said, you were catching some steam, you were getting over, and then you were undefeated for a while, and then just kind of cut it short. They had you beat by Big Show or something. I thought they were going to run without yeah. you maybe, you know, do a match at SummerSlam, and they just had him beat you and – that was it. So, was there any real long-term plan or anything? Probably not. But I want to get your thoughts on it. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know. I thought me and Sandow had got things going again, and then we didn't get a SummerSlam match. And I think at that point they were like, "Yeah, we this thing's cool, but I don't think this is what we want to invest everything into." So, um, you never know. You're always the last one to know. All I did was just show up every day, trying to be ready to work. Um, the only thing I know is I, I didn't do anything in terms of like myself to push the mess those things up, but because the endorsements outside were crazy, you know, the Hot Pockets and mm-hmm. the toys and the commercials and the movie and stuff like that. So I was in demand pretty highly. It's just I couldn't get things to where I, I needed them to be uh, in terms of in the ring and stuff. But um, as far as like push or keep things going or get that big win over a big name, um, like if I would have went over a show, I think it would have been a game changer for me. Him beating me really didn't mean anything. Me beating him would have been something. Exactly. That would have progressed your push and progressed your momentum, whatever, whatever. And it was just weird. because well, I see the- that now. I mean, look, I mean, look at Wyatt. I mean, Wyatt beats Cena or Wyatt beats Taker. It's a, you know, mm-hmm. he's on a, a whole other level. Exactly. And, uh, exactly. And even without those things, I still think he's the best entertainer in wrestling today. Yeah, Wyatt's great. I think he's probably one of the best performers on the roster. Absolutely, he's another guy they could be doing more with. I just got off the I just got off the phone with somebody who we were talking about. You know, the guy we lost to Roman Reigns last weekend, Ron. He's not even on the show now. You know, he's not even doing any of the pay per view. So it's crazy. Um, but around yeah. that period in time, when you were on your roll, you were getting over. Like you said, you were doing the whole hot pockets thing. You were getting a lot of endorsements. You were on a roll, and they had Big Show beat you. And then you weren't even at the Money in the Bank pay per view. They didn't put you on the card at all. They didn't put you in the ladder match. So I don't know. I just thought that was weird, and they never did much with you. Yeah, that's uh, emotionally that was tough. A lot, then, of, a lot of uh, gut checks and looking in the mirror. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then from there, they just they didn't do much for with you for the remainder of the year. But then they put you with Tensai in the tag team division. Were there any long term plans behind that, or what was the experience like working with uh, with with Matthew Bloom with uh, Jason Albert or whoever? Oh, that was great. I learned yeah. a lot. A lot of fun. Stand up guy, and uh, yeah, I think that was like they didn't know what they were going to get with that. We started going with that, and then once again, you know, we got the speech we're going to be tag champs, and then we got one title shot against the Shield. Mm-hmm. How that worked out. And when was that? Was that in like the spring maybe of 2013 or around that period in time? Yeah, I think so. It was towards the beginning of the end. Then the heel turned with no real direction. And then after that, I just kind of threw my hands up and started reading the, the Wong ads. 
And that was the next thing I was going to ask you about. That was what bothered me more than anything else about your run in the company because you were doing the whole tag team thing and then they finally had you turn heel on Tensai and they kind of dragged it out for a while. But that's like you said, telling a story and they were doing a fine job of that. But they were doing the whole Xavier Woods angle and him stealing your theme song and whatever. Because, you know, when... they didn't know who I was mad at. Exactly. Yeah, there was no story to it. It was it was just weird. You were just beating up everybody, and they just and they had you lose too. They had you lose like our truth in one of the pay per views. Yeah. Like, yeah, I beat Xavier once. Exactly. Yeah, and like a, oh. a, yeah, and like one of the squash matches, and they never gave you any momentum after that, and just it didn't make any sense. You know, it, they turned to heel because you did your best work on NXT and as Del Rio's bodyguard. I mean, as the Funkasaurus as well, you got that gimmick over, but it definitely looked like you were going to be a breakout monster heel. They were going to push you as before they brought you to. Um, before they made you the Funkasaurus. And then, like I said, they, that feud, just they just dropped the ball on it. Were any, there were any plans like, oh, we're going to turn you here, we're going to push you, or whatever. Um, wh- what was the discussion behind all of that? There was none, bro. Really? At that point, I just, I just talked with my agent, where I had to wrestle, what I had to wrestle. Um, I, and I, I hate to say this, but I just was like, I was so frustrated that I just didn't, I didn't want to hear any more BS, so I just stopped asking questions. Mm-hmm. In my mind, nothing was changing. It was the same stuff. It didn't matter what I do. I hit a home run with on the Miz's show with the promo. Mm-hmm. On main event, scared. right? It was like yeah. a internet. Like, I, can't, I just can't win for losing. So, mm-hmm. uh, so you know, I started uh, looking at other stuff and reaching out, checking feelers, and there was a lot of demand. So I was like, well, as soon as they let me go, I'll be fine. So after that, I really didn't care and just started getting ready for other things. And then before you left, you had a little run on NXT. And I know that Justin Gabriel is talking about this. I think he talked about it with Jericho a couple months ago. That because they weren't giving him any, anything on Raw or SmackDown, he just showed up to NXT and they had him work a couple angles or matches or whatever. Um, did they send you down to NXT or did you go there voluntarily? Like, maybe I can make this work and have a few great matches. Oh, I was going there and it was a big revamp. And I remember Alex Riley said, you know, there was a big meeting. Like, we got to get this guy going. He's too good not for us to get going. And then nothing happened. So mm-hmm. it is what it is. No regrets. I'm happy where I'm at. Yeah, you ended up in TNA. So like I said, as soon as you left WWE, were you thinking uh, TNA is where it's at? That's where I'm going? Or is there just kind of a break, like maybe I don't want to wrestle and any mainstream promotion right now? Like, uh, what, what was your mind press? As fo- what was your mind uh, set after leaving the company last year? Oh, I started doing bookings, and I was planning on going to TNA. And then after TNA, I planned to do a Japan run and then call it a career. So mm-hmm. um, that, was my, that was my thing. And so far, what it happened. And uh, that's where I'm at. So I'm very happy where I'm at right now. And what's the difference in the environment or the backstage environment between WWE and TNA? Locker is the same. Guys like to have fun and work hard. Both both companies the same. Uh, just not as many cooks in TNA. Mm-hmm. More racial freedom to develop your character on your own. So good, as, as Coach Lamont would say, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, it's on you, and I enjoy that. So a lot of the stuff that you and EC3 are doing right now, are you guys? Are you guys have a lot of creative input? We're just winging it. What was that? We're winging it. Absolutely, I feel like the <laughs> the stuff that you guys have been doing in recent weeks with the campaign has been hilarious. So you guys, are you able to come up with those ideas by yourself? Yeah, we just play around stuff. Yeah. Me never he acting like I hate him all the time and not having any emotional anything he does uh, gets more laughs than any lines I could say. <laughs> 
I think, yeah, I think it's great because, like I said before, like we said at the start of the conversation, like anything that's genuine and it's organic and it's real, that's what people attach themselves to. And that's what makes it entertaining, too, because I feel like you guys, you know, despite all, yeah, in addition to all the stuff that you guys did on NXT and all the hilarious stuff you guys did there, it really shines through. And it's great to see you guys are being uh, well utilized over in TNA and finally getting your due, you know, and the, uh, and telling a story, as you said before. So it's great to see. But in TNA or elsewhere, any other goals you have in the wrestling world or beyond? Yeah, if I win a championship, that'd be nice. <laughs> At least one for the damn treasure chest, right? Something people walk in the house and go, oh, hey, yeah, you are. I mean, I'm the only uh, Funkasaurus champion ever, according to my wrestling brawling buddy. But uh, <laughs> it'd be nice to win some gold. Maybe the X Division, who knows? Yeah, I was going to um, say, just give you guys the tag titles or something, you know? Something, you know? I got a slammy. I mean, I guess that's good, right? Did, did they actually but, uh, give you a slammy or just like a slammy word like it talked about? You know what I mean? I mean, you win the slammy, you don't actually get one. But, yeah, um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's Bush League. Get the damn slammy out. You got the budget for it. But, uh, <laughs> exactly, right? You know, but whatever. Uh, so, yeah. Major title before I can hang it up would be great. But if not, that's cool, too. I can go down as one of those guys who never held one. Andre never held one. He held one for like seven seconds, so, uh, before he surrendered it. But, uh... That's probably it, yeah. Yeah, win championship goal. Well, now that you're in TNA, it's very much possible. Like I said, they could just give you guys the tag titles or something. Because like I said, you guys are... Yeah, exactly. Some, you guys are one of the most entertaining acts in TNA right now. It's great to see every single week. And um, the match that you and – it's a match made in heaven, you and EC3, because I feel like that was uh, – along with you know, the, the NXT stuff was, was some of your best stuff in WWE between you and Del Rio. And then you and uh, you and EC3 have so much great chemistry, even better chemistry than you had with Del Rio. So it's awesome to see. So I'm looking forward to that. But in addition – yeah, it's great. It's great to see. So, in addition to that, and your stuff in TNA and and whatnot, there was one more question I was going to ask you as well. But or just in TNA in general, other than you know winning championship gold, any other goals you have? You know, it's, oh, this is the question I was going to ask you. From the Legends of Wrestling thing, you did a great job on commentary. Any aspirations to do any commentary someday once you eventually retire? Yeah, when I'm in the ring, I'd love to be on the cams. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I like to be uh, get in there, maybe on a regular basis with Matt Striker wherever he's at, or uh, Josh Matthews. Um, yeah, I, I love it, and so much knowledge that can't be used anywhere else but in an announcer's chair, and uh, I'm going to do more stuff with it. Hopefully, I mean, like, in TNA right now, I mean, obviously you're doing your thing with EC3, but Josh was looking for a, for a partner, for a, for a commentating partner after Taz left, so I don't know, maybe down the line, maybe you could take a spot and do some commentary with Taz, or oh, do yeah, some commentary keep, with Josh. I mean, you keep putting it over on Twitter, man, let's make it happen. Let's make and, it uh, happen. Pretty, Hashtag the Hashtag tires for commentary. Let's make it happen. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> but still, man, it's been great talking to you, and I uh, hopefully, hopefully we can knock. And hopefully we can cross paths down the line. Please, dog. Gotta thank you for your time, sir. Yes, officer. I'm like, please don't print this on your paper. What was that? Uh nothing. Uh, thanks for your time. Oh, yeah, no problem. And like I said before, and the truth finally comes out here in the show, you and Matt Stryker were in cahoots with one another on NXT. That's what the one the million-dollar question people were wondering. So you can finally get that on the, on the dirty headlines, that you and Matt Stryker almost cheated to win NXT back in 2010. Yeah, he was. He was me would cheat the whole time. <laughs> uh, I never told anybody that. So, yeah, that should be the cover. Stryker and Tyrus united, and he confessed that they always cheat when they're together. <laughs> that was great. Enjoyed your time on commentary on Sunday. And like I said before, hopefully we can uh, cross paths down the line. All right. Thank you very much, man. And absolutely, we'll make that happen. 
Sounds good, man. Thanks again. I'll talk to you down the road. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Once again, a huge thanks to Brodus Clay, now known as Tyrus and TNA, for his time. Had a lot of fun talking to him. You can follow him on Twitter at Brodus Clay. And as I mentioned before, catch him every Wednesday night on TNA Impact Wrestling, only on Destination America. So in the final few minutes that we have left here, I want to talk about this rumor that's been kind of been uh, running rampant over the wrestling world over the last couple of days. The possibility of Dolph Ziggler potentially leaving WWE when his contract expires in a few months. I believe after SummerSlam, I've been reading a lot of contradicting reports, and it's not come from a reliable source. It only came from, I believe, the MLW radio. I'm a former creative writer. I believe uh, related it to John Morrison's situation, if you can recall, back in 2011 when John Morrison's contract was coming up, and I believe in November, and he said that he was on his way out of the company, you know, do something with me or I'm out of here, and they didn't do anything with him, and they let him go. I mean, I know he had that one-off feud with Ziggler for the U.S. Championship, but other than that, though, he really wasn't doing much of note. He was being jobbed out to Del Rio and Barrett and R-Truth in, like, mere minutes on Raw. I just remember being so surprised that, you know, that match with R-Truth when he came back from injury that summer on that awesome episode of Raw, my favorite episode of Raw from 2011, the night where CM Punk came back and Jim Ross returned and John Morrison obviously returned that night as well, but you would never know it because that feud went nowhere. They had so much heat on that feud between Morrison and Truth. There was so much riding on it, so much history, and then they gave the match away like days before SummerSlam, and I know they had a six-man tag team match at the pay-per-view, but Truth versus Morrison should have happened one-on-one at SummerSlam, and they dropped the ball on it for whatever reason. In the months that followed, he did nothing, and he left the company. But the point I'm trying to make here is that Morrison never realized his full potential in WWE. I know his mic skills were never the greatest, but there's really no reason why they could not have given him at least a one-off run with the World Heavyweight Championship over on SmackDown. He was very popular. He was very good in the ring. He had a lot of breakout matches against Sheamus and Jericho, um, a number of other names, Jeff Hardy and CM Punk over on the SmackDown brand back in 09, I remember. But Ziggler is very much, whoever made that comparison, I forgot what his name was, Court Bauer maybe, um, I think that's a perfect comparison. Now, later on that night after Raw, I read a different report saying that a former TNA creative writer said that Ziggler has been been praising the TNA shows for a while and that he wishes that his contract could have been up sooner so he can jump over there and whatever else, kind of making the assumption that you know, making people believe that John Moore, or excuse me, Dolph Ziggler could be TNA bound once his contract expires. Never say never. Personally, I don't think that's the case. I think Ziggler, there was a very realistic chance he could leave the company. And although as much as I want him to stay, I think, you know, good for him. As long as he's happy, that's really all that matters. But I believe, you know, if they're not going to do anything with him, like right now, what the hell is he doing? I know he's with Lana and he's not jobbing out on superstars or anything like that like he was a while ago, about a year or two ago, when he got heat on himself for remarks that he made about um, Randy Orton or John Cena over SummerSlam weekend back in 2013, I think it was. So at least he's doing something of no, he's still picking up wins. But, you know, this is the same guy that, you know, a former TNA, a former two-time World Heavyweight Champion in the WWE, the same guy who single-handedly, I mean, I know with a little help of Sting and whatever else, but he was the sole survivor in the main event of Survivor Series late last year. And I know that the authority being brought back kind of hindered his momentum and whatever kind of tarnished that win for him. But even when he was at his peak, winning back the Intercontinental Championship in his hometown of Cleveland at TLC in a fantastic match, fantastic ladder match against Luke Harper at the start of the pay-per-view, they have done next to nothing with this guy. And I'm not saying the answer is to give him another U.S. or IC title reign. 
if they don't push him as the main event caliber wrestler that he is, then he might as well leave. There is nothing left for him to do. He's a multi-time tag team, um, world, you know, world heavyweight champion, IC champion, WWE intercontinental champion, whatever. You know, I believe if, if they're not going to give him the world championship run that he deserves, and you know, he has all the tools to be a top guy in that company, but they're not pushing him for whatever reason, and there is no. There is no excuse as to why he can't realistically main event a pay-per-view with Seth Rollins for that WWE World Heavyweight Championship. I mean, I know I love Dean Ambrose, love Randy Orton, love Roman Reigns, but there is no reason why he could not have been added into that mix over the last couple of months. I enjoyed his matches with Sheamus. I enjoyed his matches with Sheamus over you know since WrestleMania. But since then, though, he really has not been doing anything. I know the feud with Rusev kind of got derailed because of Rusev's injury, whatever. But they could be doing so much more with him. But the point I'm trying to make is that, you know, going back to what I was saying before, honestly, I don't think he's TNA bound. I don't know why he would want to be. I know in all the reports that I was reading about that after Raw concluded last night, a lot of people were making jokes that, you know, why would he want to jump onto a sinking ship in a company that doesn't, even, that may not even have a TV deal right now and that's not getting all the best of press right now in the wrestling world. And I absolutely agree. That does not make much sense. I know he's, you know, he's not a money guy. He loves wrestling, but... You know, even if he doesn't pursue wrestling after he's done with WWE, there's a lot of other things he could possibly do. I know he's done acting before, he's a stand-up comedian. How successful that would be, I have no idea, but it's worth a shot, though. You know, people laughed at The Rock when he left wrestling and jumped into Hollywood. People thought he would fail, and look at him, and now I saw San Andreas last week with him as the main star, and he was fantastic. But back to Dolph Ziggler, though, I feel like, you know, even if he does leave WWE and has, you know... As much it would suck, you know, as much as it would suck, because I think the guy is great. He's an awesome wrestler, an awesome character. He's really over with the people. But if they're not going to do anything with him, you know, I I can absolutely understand where he's coming from and him leaving the company. Um, in terms of other wrestling promotions he can go to, I could definitely see him in Lucha Underground. I think him and Morrison could rip it up over there. Him in Ring of Honor, oh, that'd be amazing. Him and AJ Styles, Adam Cole, Jay Lethal. All the talent they have over there in Ring of Honor right now, they would love the guy. Um, the Ring of Honor faithful would love Dolph Ziggler. But TNA, again, never say never, but I thought John Morrison was TNA bound when, once he left WWE a couple years ago. And I believe he was still with Molina at that point. I don't think they're together anymore now. But, you know, I figured they would go over to, to TNA as, you know, as a unit, and they never did. Uh, John Morrison stayed on the indies. He did more acting for a while before making the jump over to Lucha Underground just late last year, and he's been one of the product's main stars since then. I think they're great, and he's doing an awesome job over there, so there's really no need for him to go over to TNA. And the same thing with Dolph Ziggler. I feel like if they're not going to pay him as much as he was getting in WWE, um, you know, give him the world title ASAP like they would have done to Del Rio. Like, why even bother, you know? Um, it's not. I, I enjoy TNA. I think they're good. I don't think Ziggler and TNA are a good fit. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he does make the jump, but I have no idea. Bottom line is this, though. If Dolph Ziggler does indeed leave WWE once his contract expires in a few months, I do not blame him at all. Unless they give him a run as a main event star like he is long overdue for, there is really no point in him sticking around. I can, you know, if he's not if he's not happy with where he's at in the card, you know, you know, begging for more money and whatever else. At least in this case, it makes sense. You know, that Ziggler's a guy that's been there, and it's funny because right before I, you know, this whole report, everything about this started coming out, I wrote an article last week for Bleacher Report about the top ten most underutilized guys in WWE right now, and he was number four, five, or six. This guy, like I said in that article, has been with the company for the last ten years. And they have given him a lot of start and stop pushes to the point where people, no matter how much he loses, and he goes on the record and saying this all the time, he's still over. 
And I don't think, you know, he needs wrestling. He could still do wrestling if he wants to, but there's a lot of other options. He has a lot of mainstream appeal where he can do other things if he was to leave WWE. It would not surprise me. It would disappoint me because I want to see him stick around and get his, you know, his long overdue push. Unfortunately, I just don't think it's in the cards. So wherever he goes, as long as he's happy, I'm happy, and I'm looking forward to seeing what the future holds for Dolph Ziggler. So on that note, before we wrap it up here, I just do want to make this one brief note. I know we're kind of reaching the hour mark here, and um, and there was a lot of other things I wanted to talk about. Raw, there's no point in doing a Raw review. The, the show really was not that great. It was kind of a bore for the most part. The opening and the closing, I thought, were the best parts of the show. And I don't know if I mentioned this in last week's show, but, you know, Brock Lesnar being brought back, a lot of people, as soon as it came back last week, people were saying that, you know, the product is going to be worth watching again. It's going to be so much better. Last night's Raw was not amazing. I will say that Brock Lesnar was the MVP of the show by far. I enjoyed the John Cena and Kevin Owens stuff, and I, have, I said this on Twitter. I'll say it again a million times more that John Cena is cutting the best promos consistently. I know he's cut a lot of great promos over the last couple of years, but consistently, week to week, he's been cutting the best promos since he was four years ago during his feud with CM Punk. And I wholeheartedly believe that him and him and Kevin Owens, I almost said John Morrison, him and Kevin Owens are the perfect match for one another. Their matches are great. Their segments and promos are great. Everything about this feud I have been loving since day one, and I'm looking forward to the rematch at Battleground in just a couple more weeks. I'm very much looking forward to seeing how they top themselves from their previous two instant classics. But going back to what I was saying about Brock Lesnar, you know, people will say that, you know, Lesnar being back, the product is great again. Where have you been since WrestleMania? I mean, I know a lot of people don't want to admit it or they don't see it. They don't realize it. That's fine. We all have our different opinions on the current state of the product. And I've said this a million times before. It's not the Attitude Era. It will never be the Attitude Era. We need to move forward and start creating our own product that we can call great. You know, the Reality Era, whatever the hell you want to call it. I think it's been doing a lot better since WrestleMania. Like, consistently on the whole, I know we've had some of our off weeks but the pay-per-views have been great. WrestleMania was above and beyond amazing. Money in the Bank, Elimination Chamber, Payback, Extreme Rules have all been good to great in my opinion. We have a lot of cool storylines. A lot of people are not high on Seth Rollins being champion right now and the way he's been booked. You know, I think it's stupid. I think the way that he's been booked has been perfect to his character. He's like the best heel um, that the WWE has at their disposal right now, which is not saying much other than Seth Rollins, other than Kevin Owens, of course, um, because, you know, we have Big Show and Kane as heels and... Uh, you know, Bray Wyatt is not really doing much. I do enjoy the feud with Roman Reigns. I've been liking that over the last couple of weeks, so hopefully they can stay the course with that. But I feel like the product on the whole, just because Lesnar's back does not mean it's great. I feel like, in my personal opinion, that it already has been great since WrestleMania. I wrote an article about that for Hidden Remote just about a month ago, get listing 10 reasons why the product is flourishing right now. And I'm really liking what they're doing with a lot of their feuds and storylines. There's a lot of nitpicking to be made with the Divas division and, you know, some injuries happening, which always suck. But, you know, on the whole, though, I do feel like, you know, WWE has been a lot better, in my opinion, week to week since WrestleMania. So I'm looking forward to that rematch or that match period for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship between Rollins and Lesnar at Battleground for the, um, like I said, for the championship. And that should be well worth watching as well. And then going back to what I was saying before, I just want to make a brief note about this. The TNA news, Gunner and Samuel Shaw have left TNA. I honestly do not really care. I was never really a fan of either guy. I was cringing constantly during their feud earlier this year, late last year, because it never really made any sense to me. It was dumb, the whole stalker thing. He played the character well. I just never saw any money in it personally. 
I just never really cared for it. Excuse me. Um, you know, Gunner, I always thought was always generic as all hell. He's a good athlete. He's come a long way in the last couple of years. And, you know, there have been reports that he may be WWE bound. They may be interested in him. Good for him. I just never really, he never really piqued my interest in TNA. There's nothing about him that really screamed out special to me anyway. Samuel Shaw, already talked about him. He was very generic as well. Never really cared for him. And it wasn't their decision either. It was TNA saying, hey, we've got nothing for you. We're just going to let you go, which is comical. It should be the creative team coming up with stuff for them to do. But I digress. They already have a short enough roster as it is. They should be utilizing all the talent that they have. And for them to get rid of two quality players, although I'm not huge fans of theirs, they are very good wrestlers and you know characters for the most part. And for TNA to get rid of them because they have nothing for them to do is comical. But it is what it is. Austin Aries may be leaving the company um, after a anniversary this upcoming Sunday. I have no idea what they have planned for him. Again, I don't blame him. He's been world champion. He's been X Division champion multiple times. He's been world tag team champion. What else is there for the guy to do? You know, I love Austin Aries. I wish he would stick around. I think he's great. I do want to see him in NXT, though. I know WWE passed in him once before for the Tough Enough tryout years ago, back in 2011. But so much has changed in the last four years. I mean, I know it's such a short period of time, but WWE's perception of what makes a star in 2015 has come a long way, in term, especially in terms of Triple H seeing what makes a star, who could be a star in terms of Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins, Finn Balor, Hideo Tommy, all these other guys that would have never gotten a shot that that would have never gotten a shot at superstardom years ago are finally being given chances to shine. I feel like Austin Aries could be added to that mix if he were to come over um, you know, to WWE at some point, NXT at the very least. And I would love to see him in WWE. But we'll see what happens with his contract status um, in the weeks to come. And as I mentioned before we go off the air here, Slammiversary this upcoming Sunday, Slammiversary 2015. I don't care. You know, TNA has given me no reason to care. I'm looking at the card right now. We have a King of the Mountain match with no contestants announced at all. That's embarrassing. We have the tag team title match, the best of five series, match number five, which should be great. You know, Wolves versus Dirty Heels. I'm looking forward to that. A knockouts handicap tag team title match or between, um, you know, it's a, it's a tag team handicap match, but it's also for the knockouts title. The Dollhouse versus Awesome Kong and Brooke. Whatever, James Storm and Magnus, that feud, I, it could be a great match, but the feud has been shit, um, especially with the whole Mickey James dying thing, getting concussed, that was terrible. And then Robbie E versus Jesse, again, I don't really care either. So this pay-per-view is complete throwaway. They're doing their big title match, which should have headlined this pay-per-view, which would have been made this pay-per-view 10 times worth more watching, um, you know, a lot more worth watching had they had that match headline this pay-per-view between Kurt Angle and Ethan Carter III, Instead, they're giving it out on an episode of Impact in the next couple of weeks. For whatever reason, I have no idea why. Don't ask me why. Probably because they want to pop a rating, but it's such a huge risk for such a short-term gain. And why even going on pay-per-view? Serious question. Why even have a pay-per-view if you're not going to treat it with the importance that it deserves? And instead, you're just going to neglect it, throw a bunch of matches on there that no one gives a shit about. Why would you expect me to pay 40 to 50 bucks for a shit-ass card a fucking terrible card like this one. Not to hate on TNA, it's an honest-to-God question. Why would anyone buy this pay-per-view? There has been next to no hype for this show. It's the same exact thing for Bound for Glory last year, their biggest WrestleMania show of the year over in Japan. They didn't get two shits about Bound for Glory, and it was embarrassing to watch. I talked about it then, I'll talk about it now with Slammiversary. Why bother having a pay-per-view? Just stop embarrassing yourself, take it off. 
you know, either hold a TNA title match, you know, get some money from the pay-per-view. If you make no money off the pay-per-views, don't fucking hold the pay-per-views. It makes no sense. It, I just don't get it. TNA's thinking when it comes to this kind of shit, but I, I don't think I'll be watching live. I may be working anyway. Maybe I'll check it the next day. And I mean, I know that sounds hypocritical. Like, why would you have a pay-per-view? I review this shit. Like, if I didn't have to watch it, I probably wouldn't. But, you know, like I said, I'll probably, if only, watch it for the tag team title match. Or, yeah, everything else to me, this King of the Mountain match sounds like a huge clusterfuck, especially with given that, that we know nobody else is in it. We know of no one else that is part of this matchup as of right now. And none of the other matches particularly, you know, pique my interest. So, we'll wait and see. You know, if that if it exceeds the expectations, great for TNA. But for right now, I see absolutely zero reason why they should be holding a pay-per-view when they don't even give two craps about it and bother building up a pay-per-view that is worth, you know, being called Slammiversary, one of their biggest pay-per-views of the year, where they celebrate the history of their company, blah, 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 blah. If you're not going to treat it with the importance it deserves, then why bother holding it? But anyway, no better way of kicking off the summer season than with my exclusive interview with Brodus Clay, now known as Tyrus and TNA. So once again, thanks to him for coming on the show. I had a great time talking to him, and then we have Tough Enough tonight. So like I said, no thoughts on it here in today's show because I'm recording this before the fact, before the show airs. So I will be talking about it in this week's video blog, random video blog on the YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash C backslash Graham G.S. Matthews. Another notorious thoughts, another you know random thoughts on the show next week right here on WrestleRant Radio. Speaking of which, WrestleRant Radio new episodes are uploaded every single Tuesday right here on NextEraWrestling.net. So make sure to check back every single Tuesday for a new show. Also, make sure to follow me on Twitter at WrestleRant. Find me on Facebook at Facebook.com backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews. Give the page the old thumbs up. Check out my work all the time being uploaded on Bleacher Report, What Culture, Hidden Remote, and all these other websites that I write for throughout the week. And I appreciate you guys' support. You guys are great. And I believe that's going to do it. So have a spectacular summer season. Things are they're just heating up and kicking off right here on WrestleRant Radio. Continue to follow along with us for what should be a phenomenal summer 2K15. Once again, guys, thank you for your support. Have a great week, and we'll catch you right back here next Tuesday for a new episode of WrestleRant Radio. Till then, guys. Peace.